Welcome to episode one of Cool Hand Crypto, where cinema, culture, and crypto collide. I am your host, the Count of Monte Crypto, filmmaker Matt Silverman. Why am I doing this show? It was 2007, I had just moved to LA, and there was this new thing on the internet called YouTube, and a little DVD company called Netflix had just started streaming content. Bear in mind, they wouldn't produce their own content for another six years, in 2013 with House of Cards. We were all young filmmakers straight out of college watching these streamers emerge, watching in real time a paradigm shift, a sea change in how movies and content are created, produced, distributed, sold, and advertised. I'm doing this show because I feel this exact same type of sea change happening now with Web3, NFTs, crypto, the metaverse. This is going to change everything. But how? And how does it apply to you? And why should you care? Well, that's what this show is about. The infrastructure of this world is only now being built, and I'm going to interview the people building it. The way these episodes, at least in the beginning, are going to be structured is we're going to define some terms, we're going to carefully navigate this new language of crypto, and break down what's next and why you should care. I'm learning this along with you, and so I will try to make these conversations easy to digest, and I will have experts who can act as Pepto-Bismol to the mental wrenching that occurs when trying to understand crypto. Now for this first episode, I have both an insider and an outsider. This is someone who is at the center of the entertainment industry, reporting on its every breath, but doesn't recognize this sea change, doesn't see this paradigm shift. Understandably, it feels like a flash in the pan, but that's okay because answers are coming. And so what better place to start than with some questions. today's episode, I'd like to welcome good friend and industry insider who has written for Variety, The Wrap, Mashable, Collider, The Tracking Board, LA Mag, and more, veteran entertainment reporter who is currently missing the boat on all things crypto, the incomparable Jeff Snyder. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, uh, Matt Silverman. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. And you're right. I, I feel like I'm missing the boat and I'm here to enlighten you and educate myself. Let's dig into some of these headlines. Let's see what's sort of percolating in, in the industry right now. Um, get our insight on it and then, uh, and then see, you know, talk about what's, what's next. What's the future? So let's start with one of our favorites, um, Tarantino. Well, Quentin launched his own set of Pulp Fiction NFTs, as I understand it. But he uh, basically, you know, had this handwritten script for Pulp Fiction. Um, that he's kept in a file cabinet at his home for the last God knows how many years, 25, 26 years or whatever. Um, and so the deal, the, originally, the original deal that he cut with Miramax gave him screenplay publishing rights. Uh, now, when you, you know, put out an NFT, that's technically not the publication of a screenplay, but there's also nothing in the contract you know, because obviously it was written 25, 26 years ago, the NFTs are not mentioned in there. So the fact that Miramax is trying to assert control over, you know, his handwritten screenplay, I don't know, to me, it sort of falls under that. Uh, so what he's trying to do is like, you know, there's like seven scenes or whatever, um, and, and scenes that feature alternate, di uh, alternate dialogue, little doodles in the margin, things like that. Um, and he's going to put each one up for auction. Now, Miramax obviously wants to uh, financially exploit Pulp Fiction itself. 
I mean, you know, it still has the copyright on that film. Um, but it's not like these are filmed scenes. It's not like these are like deleted scenes. These are just. I didn't realize that. I thought these were actual scenes that were cut from the film. These aren't scenes. These are just scripts. Right, scenes. exactly. Yeah, these, these are scenes from his handwritten screenplay. So, uh, you know, to me, I, I think that Quentin has that right. Like, I, I'm on his side in this whole lawsuit. But, like, Miramax just won a big Pulp Fiction lawsuit uh, either earlier this week or, or last week about, regarding the image of uh, Uma Thurman. Like, that was, that was used on the poster. Um, the guy who, like, you know, came up with that image and shot that image uh, was suing them because they've commercially exploited it, you know, outside of posters. They put it on all kinds of merchandise and stuff like that. And so this this guy thought that he was entitled to that. But Miramax won that lawsuit. But that's not really in the NFT world. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to see a lot more filmmakers do this and a lot more, um, you know, studios try to push back. Uh, so I don't know. To me, I, if I was a studio, I would just compensate the filmmaker for those rights and, and try to come up with some sort of, you know, agreement after the fact. For Quentin and some of these others, it, it's does it feel like sort of a cash grab? Yes, yeah, I, I don't see how it could seem like anything else. Like, is this really? Are, are directors really waking up creatively excited to make NFTs? I think this is just another way to make money. You know. Uh, no, I, I think it's ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. What really are you even getting? Like, you're getting a look inside Quentin's file cabinet, right? And you can say, oh, I own this scene now. I bought this exclusive NFT for tens of thousands of dollars or whatever it's going to go for. What does Quentin actually give up? He doesn't give up anything, right? The script is still in his file cabinet. It's just, he's just making a copy of something. It's, I, I don't understand why that happens to be worth tens of thousands of dollars. I don't know if it was really worth, if he was really doing it for the fans, he would release it to all fans or, or sell it to someone who wanted to share it with the fans. But I, I just don't understand. I don't believe that that's what film is. It's not painting. It's not, I'm a painter. I'm going to paint this painting. And now it's going to go hang up in someone's home for the next 40, 50 years and be passed down through the generations. To me, film is, is just, it's too broad of a, a medium. Like it's for millions of people. It's not for one person to have. Yeah, but if he was selling the physical script, the physical handwritten script, that would go for tens of thousands of dollars, right? Sure, but that that is something material. I just don't understand why anyone would pay tens of thousands of dollars for a, a digital, like a photograph of a page of a script. You And you wrote about it in uh, Below the Line, your article with Below the Line, about how um, it's it's a certificate of authenticity. And what that comes with exactly, I don't know, whether they're just selling and reselling and reselling the screenplay as an NFT, or maybe they have the right to make these deleted scenes. Maybe they now own it and they can produce these deleted scenes. Imagine uh, uh, Miramax making these, these new scenes of Pulp Fiction. That, that, that's a good question. Yeah, if you, if you buy this exclusive scene... Would you have the rights to produce it? I don't think you would. Some NFTs do give you these rights. Some don't. So we, I, I don't think it's even on sale yet. I don't think it's listed. But when it is, uh, we'll see. Well, okay. So maybe we should jump over to uh, Kevin Smith. So Kevin Smith is doing two things. You know, one of them is, is similar to Quentin, where he's doing uh, Smoke and Tokens, Jay and Silent Bob, Smoke and Tokens, and, and it's basically merch. It's basically one-of-a-kind, unique NFT-type merch. 
um, which is definitely feels like digital a merch. Grab, but he's digital merch, right? Di- digital merch, digital merch. Fine, fine. But he's also planning on um, selling his next film, Kilroy, as an NFT. That, that's what I'm getting at. That, like, why, if you're Kevin Smith and you have all these millions of fans, why are you selling a movie that you made with hundreds of collaborators to one person? And maybe that person will, will upload it to the internet and share it. Maybe they'll distribute it in theaters themselves. Maybe they'll just show it to friends on movie nights. Like The person who purchases this could be Paramount or Disney or yes. Warner Brothers or something, and then they just distribute it you know, like they would a normal film. Um, it could also go the other way, like you're saying, uh, what happened with Martin Shkreli, the pharmaceutical pharma bro who bought the Wu-Tang right. album and did not release it until he went to jail and then um, someone else bought it. Someone else being a Dow, which is something we'll get into in later episodes. But right, I, I agree. It, it's, it wouldn't be great if, you know, some some rich guy wanted to buy it and, and hide it. And like if that's if that is what you set out to do is to make a piece of art to sell to one person. That's a different story. But from what I understand, that's not the way Kilroy was done. Like, you know, NFTs, I don't even think were a thing when he started making that. Right. Probably not. But don't you think it kind of liberates him as a filmmaker too, where he doesn't necessarily have to, um, he's kind of been doing this. Didn't he take one of his films on the road? Yeah. He, he had the, the, the road show with Jane Silent Bob reboot and, you know, maybe one or two others too. But Kevin, you know, can mobilize his own fan base. Like his marketing thing is Twitter. I mean, he and and the podcast that he has. Like it's not he has to like take out uh, ads or anything like that. Um, you know, he's one of the few filmmakers who I think are are well positioned to self distribute, to take advantage of the NFT market, that kind of thing. Uh, but. Again, it just seems antithetical to to art to me. It may be a way for more fans to participate in this. So so maybe we should talk about DAOs. DAOs are decentralized autonomous organizations. So think of a DAO like a Kickstarter, except there is no there is no head of the Kickstarter. You know, it's a bunch of people getting together as a group to buy something. But there always has to be a leader, right, Matt? Yes, someone has to, well, who created Bitcoin, right? Someone created Bitcoin, but he doesn't run Bitcoin. Bitcoin is decentralized. It runs itself. So yes, somebody has to um, set it up. But once it's set up, it's, it, it's, it's decentralized. There is no leader. It's out of the leader's control. It, it can't be shut down. Even if the person who set it up didn't like it anymore, they couldn't just shut it down. It, it, it's decentralized. But what's interesting is if a group of people got together, created a Kevin Smith DAO, bought Kilroy with, with the plans to distribute it, and, and then that group of people would, would you know, earn whatever income that movie makes. They, they would be the distributor, this, this group of people as opposed to one company. So I think it, it can open doors for fans to be even more involved because you could – Again, I, I we're still sort of learning how these DAOs are set up, but but maybe you maybe you put a hundred dollars into the Kevin Smith DAO, you are now essentially a part of the purchasing power that buys his next film, and are you going to get rich off of your hundred dollars? Probably not, but that's a really exciting thing to be an investor in a filmmaker you really like. Is this what we want, though? Is this what we want as fans buying movies and? Figuring out what to do with them? 
That that's why that, that's as opposed in the name. to the, the in, as opposed to the gatekeepers of Hollywood. Yeah, I think I'd 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 prefer the fans. For fans sure. in the name, and they're fans for a reason because they're not in the business. They don't know what they're doing. From Kevin Smith to to Star Wars, you know, imagine if the next Star Wars film still has a director, it still has producers, it still has writers, but all of these people are chosen and put together and cast through a collective as opposed to a movie studio. Sounds like a nightmare. I don't know if you have any experience uh, with, you know, seeing the, the casting and director suggestions of the average fan, but uh, I don't know. I would be terrified. We've both worked in Los Angeles for over a decade. We've, we've definitely seen the inner workings of, of how decisions are made. And most of the people, not all, but most of the people I've come across uh, did not like films, were not into cinema, uh, had no interest in being a part of the industry, and yet were key players in making films. Listen, you're, you're 100% right about that. It's fewer like people who love film these days, and it's people with MBAs. And they graduate from Harvard, and they went to Harvard Business School, and now they make movies. And it's like, if you really like movies, you never would have gone to Harvard Business School, right? I, I mean... I you're, well, you're right. if you were smart, maybe you would go. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree yeah. that it is disgusting who the industry is populated with these days. I was just reading some interview with Kathleen Turner where she talked about, you know, going into a room full of young agents and, and these agents were all like, oh, my God, I, I love your work. I, I love your work. What, what have you done? You know, and, and I don't right. think that is a right. unique experience. I, I, I do believe that there's a lot of people who sit around making decisions, who really don't know anything about movies or movie history. But they know numbers, and, and that's what Hollywood is. It's a business. Is NFTs, are they revolutionizing distribution? Is that what it is? Or are they revolutionizing filmmaking? I mean, you know, you're the invention of the iPhone or, you know, what the iPhone 12 Pro now. It seems like everyone has a movie camera, a professional-grade movie camera in their pocket, right? That opens up you know, the, that lowers the bar of entry. But so what is NF, what are NFTs lowering the bar of entry towards distribution, crowdsourcing? I think everything. I think all of the above. I mean, yes, distribution, yes, financing, and yes, decision making. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I, to me, this stuff is so stupid. Well, I don't think you're alone in. Um, I, I, in I know I'm not alone in my skepticism. That. I also know that you know, a lot of smart people wouldn't be pursuing this if there wasn't, you know, money to be made off of it. So I, I understand that it is a growing business. Um, it's just something that as a consumer, I will not particularly concern myself with. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. I, I do think that's going to change. But but again, we, we don't really understand it yet. We don't really know how. That's, that is the whole point of this show is to, to figure it out. Listen, I have been doing this for so long, okay? I've heard this so many times about so many things, and, and it's it, it, all just fads. Remember when Clubhouse was going to be the next big thing? Oh, my God, come into my Clubhouse room tonight. Oh, I'm doing a Clubhouse. That was big for like a month. You're missing the point here. Clubhouse, the brand Clubhouse was a fad, but the idea of Clubhouse hasn't. That's sort of what Discord is now. Discord, uh, Discord is Twitter has its spaces thing. I've never been in any of these things. And if I'm not in them, who is? 
let's uh, wrap up with some of your recent watches, recent picks. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I'm really liking the Dexter revival. I, I feel like that show definitely went off the rails in its final seasons, and they've done a decent job of giving the fans, uh, you know, an, an, an ending that that show deserves. Um, I really like True Story on Netflix, the Kevin Hart show, where he does a, a dramatic turn opposite Wesley Snipes. Uh... I like King Richard on HBO Max, the Will Smith movie about uh, Venus and Serena Williams' father. Thank you for coming on the show, Snyder. Follow Jeff's 2021 movie list and his top picks of the year at the insnider.blogspot.com. And uh, I'd like to say I actually do love your blog, Snyder, because it's not a day-to-day diary of, of what's going on. It's really just your top picks and, and what you're watching and what you like knowing full well that you give four stars to anything that makes you cry. But I, I do think it's uh, worth it. I haven't out. given four stars to a movie yet this year. Um, and, and anyone who has is, is being very generous. I don't think it's been a particularly good year, although we do have, you know, a, a very bountiful month of December ahead of us. Thank you for having me on, on this show. Uh, I'm very excited about it. I, I, I can't wait to listen. Um, but uh, and I hope I wasn't too negative for your audience. You know, I, I am a skeptic. Uh, and I look forward to being won over in the months to come.